welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. It's my honour to flow on with our series for the month of March. Uh, Pastor Claude and Pastor Carolyn have been laying the scene of unpacking what it means to pursue the divine destiny that God has given every single one of us. And uh, we're talking at the moment about what, what's now. And, and I think this is vitally important, not just important, vitally important for us to be aware of what God has for us now, because it's what now creates the new. If you don't know and engage with what God has for you right now, you can't create the new that He has for you and He's positioning you to head towards. That In fact, I believe with all my heart, this life of faith can't be lived out of a memory of what we experienced in God years ago. That if it's living out of a memory, then it's not alive. And so our faith, if it's alive, is alive now. And the now shapes the new that God takes us towards. And I'm convinced that each and every one of us have a divine calling even from birth. See, it says in the book of Ephesians, Chapter 1, verse 11. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as His own inheritance. Before we were even born. Can you say born? Born. Come on, one more time. Born. Before we were even born, He gave us our destiny. Do you know before you did anything, good, bad or indifferent, before you studied for your exams at school or did not study, Before you tried anything, God has already sealed you for a purpose and for your destiny. And because God is good, whatever He has for you is good as well. Somebody agrees. Before we were even born, He gave us our destiny that we would fulfil the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in His heart. It is God's purpose and plan for each and every one of us to encounter Him to the extent that we are set on track to pursue the divine destiny that He's born us to fulfil. Now I'm convinced that this is the greatest adventure in life. The greatest adventure, the, actually I would say it this way, it is the adventure of life, is to discover your God-given destiny. It's something that you discover, you don't decide. People with a sense of destiny live life on purpose. Destiny is discovered, not decided. Destiny is an invitation to live life. Get this, to live life at the level God designed us for. You know, it is possible to live lower than what we were designed for. As we accept situations, circumstances and the environment around us to be a lid on us instead of breaking forth and breaking free to say, no, I have been set apart, called and shaped to be a difference maker. Whether in the marketplace, whether in the ministry, whether in the family, every sphere of life that you are called to influence, you are called out of your divine destiny to bring heaven to earth in every situation and event. Because He's already called you for it. He's already deposited. He's already designed it in you. So today I I wanted to talk with you about some thoughts I had for how you can remain fueled for the destiny, fueled to pursue your destiny. Because I'm convinced that as as you live your life pursuing your destiny, this is a lifetime adventure. I don't care 
at what age you are or stage in your journey with Jesus today, there is still more available and ready for you to experience in the Kingdom of God that you have not been done yet. Your race is not finished and He has a plan and a purpose even now to take you into your new. You're not done. Any single person in this room, And because of that, I'm convinced that all we need often when we start to feel like the momentum is slowing down in our life is just to take the chance to refuel. Think about it. Anything that creates momentum and maintains momentum needs refueling in some way, shape or form along the way. I love modern cars. I think they're amazing. I love them not just because of the advancements in the ability to go fast or to turn corners without spinning the wheel a thousand times. I actually love them for one invention, one invention mainly. It is that amazing electronic indicator that appears on your dashboard to tell you in a countdown how many kilometres you have left in fuel remaining in your tank. I love that thing with a passion. I play games with the car where I want that thing to appear. I think life is boring without that thing appearing on my dashboard. I love it when it appears and it's counting down from 50 kilometres. I love it. I love seeing it go down. Honestly, I honestly love seeing it go down from 50 to 40. Then it jumps some weird reason to 15. And then it goes all the way down. I love seeing it at zero. I do. I do. I I have the microphone. I'm in the house of God. I'm telling the truth. I do. I do. I love it because I know that the people, smart, advanced, analytical, who designed that electronic indicator, designed it with me in mind. Because I know when it flashes zero, they thought of me and said, we'll leave five litres in the tank, but just not tell him. (laughs) So when it's zero, he knows he has to stop soon, but he's still okay. I love seeing that thing flash. And I only wish that my beautiful wife, Rhiannon, had the same faith as me. (laughs) It's important to fuel up for the journey because none of us want to stop unexpectedly along the way. I think the same for your destiny. I honestly believe with all my heart, if you're feeling that your life is on hold or there's no momentum going, some of these thoughts that I really have in my heart to unpack today, I think will make a significant difference, if not solve the problem. My my thoughts come out of the life of a New Testament prophet. A New Testament prophet who appears in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but he only appears very quickly. He's, he's a blink and you miss it type of person. And, and I love coming along these people in Scripture because just because they have a small part to play in Scripture doesn't mean that they weren't insignificant in what God had called them to do. And so the person I wanted to talk about today, talking about fueling yourself for your destiny is John the Baptist. Now he's called John the Baptist not because Baptist is his last name. Not at all. The the Baptist idea is that it it designated the ministry that he had been called into. See, John was a man who grew up in a culture that was waiting the return or waiting the coming of the Saviour of the world. And John leaves the comforts 
and the cares of his normal life and he went out to the wilderness and he set up shop by the Jordan River and began a public ministry that impacted thousands upon thousands of people of his country where he started to prepare them for the coming of Jesus. And John's deal is that he would call people to repentance first and foremost. Repentance is the idea that we acknowledge to God that the path that we are going in is not the path that He would have for us. And we need to say sorry and say, Lord God, I wanna turn around, go 180 degrees and go in the direction that You want to lead me. That John began with repentance, but he would then follow through with this idea of symbolically declaring the change in your life. You would go down in the water of the Jordan River and come back up again to symbolise the fact that we are being prepared for the coming of the one who would wash away our sins. It was an amazing ministry that John had. Thousands upon thousands of people would come to him daily. It was significant. It was influential. It was powerful. And John was running in his lane. Now, why do I think the life of John speaks to us about living fueled for destiny is because I think he exemplifies what it means to be willing to follow God sold out no matter what's going on around us. There was a, an account where John has met Jesus. John the Baptist has met Jesus and he's confirmed publicly that Jesus is the one that people should be following. That in fact, John himself was only here to prepare people so they could receive Jesus fully. In fact, that John's entire ministry was solely set up for the purpose so that Jesus's ministry could leapfrog off it and have significant momentum throughout the entire country. But see, some of John's followers Notice that this Jesus who had just come on the scene performing miracles was doing the exact same thing that John was doing and baptising people himself. And so they, being righteous and indignant and wanting to defend their leader, John the Baptist, came to John and said, this is terrible. Don't you see what this guy Jesus is doing? He's competing with your thing. It's not Jesus the Baptist, you're John the Baptist. And John's response leads us to our first thought of what it means to live life fueled for our destiny. It's found in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 30. John said this, He must increase, but I must decrease. Imagine that, being given the opportunity to defend yourself in your own ministry and you say boldly and confidently, let him increase said, so, oh, I might decrease. The first thought that I have for you today to live life fueled for your destiny is you've got to tap into the fuel of what it means to be surrendered to succeed. You've got to tap into the fuel of what it means to be surrendered to God to succeed. So the whole idea is that Jesus would later say in His teachings in Matthew 10 verse 39, that those that want to find their life, those who want to discover their purpose actually have to lose it. It doesn't make sense, but often a lot of Jesus' teachings came out of this idea that if you really want to discover who you really are, you must be willing to surrender yourself to God. That it's a journey of surrender. Now, I don't know about you, when I hear that word surrender, I think of something passive, defeated, lost. 
See, I, I, I met Jesus in my room when I was 16 years old and I went to church for the first time the Sunday afterwards and I thought it was very strange, everything that was going on. Nobody was there giving me a running commentary of why we did certain things in church. And one of the strangest things I found was during worship, people would put their hands up like this. Now, you've got to understand in the culture and context I come out of, the only time I'd seen people do that I was going to say on TV, but I saw it at school many times when the police would come, would be when people had to put up their hand under intimidation. And so I see people raising their hands. Now, I've got to confess to you, my first thought was, are they so scared of God that they're intimidated to the point of surrender? And I remember asking somebody at the church afterwards and I just asked all the weird questions. I, I'm the type of person that would go out to the welcome hub and say, explain this, explain this, explain this. And one of the ladies there, Kim Milicevic, beautiful lady, loved Jesus with all her heart, overheard me asking the question, why do you raise your hands? She came to me, she said, it's got nothing to do with fear or intimidation. We do that as a sign of surrender because of how amazing good, fantastic, and awe-inspiring it is to know and encounter God. I want to say to you today, if you find that you're losing momentum in your journey, one of the first things you need to look at is, am I living a surrendered life? Here's how I know if I'm running low on that fuel. If I'm running low on living a surrendered life, if I'm living low on a surrendered life, Instead of praying prayers like, God, your will be done, not my will, I flip it. God, my will be done regardless of what your will is. And I'm convinced if you live life like that for extended periods of time, you run out of fuel. But what if you approach every situation, circumstance as an opportunity to say, Lord God, I'm surrendered to you. And I know that all things work towards good for those who love you. And I ask that you would lead me through in my dependency, not out of fear and intimidation, but in awe of how good you are and how destined you've called me to be. What an amazing fuel to tap into. The second fuel that I think is available to us is the ability to imagine the win. See, during the week, I... I, I have to confess to you, I have an addiction to NBA basketball, an addiction that I'll fulfil whether watching games or listening to podcasts. I do listen to leadership podcasts as well, but they're in between my NBA podcasts. And I came across an interview done by a basketball player who was possibly the most successful basketball player in NBA history, a man named Bill Russell, who played for the Boston Celtics from 1956 to 1969. And what made this guy significant and talkable about was the fact that he had won 11 NBA championships in his career. Nobody's come close. The most successful professional basketball player in NBA history had won the most valuable player of the league five times. Amazing. And they were talking about what made him amazing. What made him possibly a superhero. And they said it wasn't the fact that he was six foot nine, although that's important, but there are so many players in the NBA who are six foot nine. 
It wasn't the fact that he played basketball from an early age because all of them had played basketball from an early age. Here's what he said was the most significant thing about his life. That before every game, he would sit down at his locker. He would sit down on the chair and he would close his eyes and he would shut off the world around him. And he would begin to imagine the coming game that he was going to play that night. He would imagine the tip off, the first quarter, the second quarter, fourth, third quarter, fourth quarter. And he would imagine everything that he was going to do to impose himself on the game. He would imagine it so clearly and vividly that by the time the buzzer went and he had to get up to go out to the court, he got up a winner already. And he carried that with him through his entire NBA career. What's the significance of that? You have to imagine the win because what you unpack internally creates the identity that you live out of. John the Baptist knew this. He knew this because in his ministry, he came under attack from local religious leaders, people that were trying to intimidate, hinder him and hold him back in his journey to do what God had called him to do. And they were trying to intimidate him by trying to get him to nail down who he was. What they were trying to see is, was he going to say that he was the Messiah? Was he the Saviour that people were waiting for? And they were expecting certain things from John the Baptist that he was unwilling to meet their demands of as he followed his God-given calling. And it came along that he gave an answer of who he was. And he said, quoting out of the book of Isaiah, an Old Testament book, an Old Testament prophetic book that had been written hundreds of years before his time, a verse in Isaiah chapter 40, where he said, there is a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John said, I'm that voice. Now, here's what's significant about that that can fuel your journey. Imagine being a young John brought up in a culture that valued the Bible where all young men had to memorise significant portions of the Scripture. And somewhere along the line, he gets to Isaiah chapter 40 to start to memorise it. And he reads about there being a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the paths of the Lord. And as he reads it, something clicks that moves from the written Word all the way into his heart and it drops down and he says, that's me. And because that's me, I'm going to live out of that. People call this godly meditation. Godly meditation is different to other types of meditation. Meditation often means that people are emptying themselves of what's going on. Godly meditation is actually filling yourself with the Word of God to the point where it shapes your very identity. And you allow your life to be so shaped by Him that you imagine the wind that He has prepared for you. That where you personally, you personally can read a scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 that says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think, Him be the glory. And you take hold of that for yourself and you say to yourself, I know that God who now to Him can do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think. And that shapes your reality from the inside out because you know no matter what you face, He can move mountains on your behalf. Imagine the win. Here's when you know you're running low on that level of fuel is that instead of being able to imagine the win, all you can imagine is defeat. Every time the doubt creeps in and the sense of defeat creeps into me, I know I need to practice 
biblical meditation and take hold of Scripture. There's nothing passive about this. Faith, engaging with your divine destiny is active and taking hold of Scripture to say, God, shape me with this. You deserve to be fueled for your destiny. Surrender to succeed. Imagine the win. Then once you start to imagine your win, you've got to allow that to shape your world. Next thought is you've got to shape your world. You've got to take what's internal and allow it to come out to influence the world around you. Your prayer is significant. Your prayer is powerful. What you say creates. In Luke chapter 1, before John the Baptist was even born, we have an account about John's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. See, they'd been praying for a baby for years. They'd been asking God, could we conceive, could we conceive, could we conceive, could we conceive? And they were just pressing in, shaping their world with a persistent request of breakthrough. And in Luke chapter 1, it says that an angel appears to Zacharias and says, your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a child and his name will be John. See, they shaped their world out of an understanding that God had even called them to a divine destiny. And John was the result. John the Baptist was the result of somebody else shaping the world even on his behalf. Do you know that your prayer is powerful? Do you know that your ability to speak into situations and circumstances as you live a surrendered life, as you allow the Word of God to shape your imagination, as you speak out of that, you can move mountains. You can. It's so powerful what you say and what you allow to come out of your lips. Now, we, we had a journey recently where we had to uh, see our son, eldest son, eight-year-old son, Liam, learn to ride a bicycle at eight years old. And I've been trying for years to teach him how to ride a bike, trying so hard. Come on, son. We'd take him down to grassed areas with the training wheels on and everything. And every time he'd get off and he'd get shaky, he'd start saying out of his own mouth, I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he said this, I think, for about two or three years. I can't, I can't, I can't. Until the point where his bicycle's there, covered in cobwebs in the corner near the garage. And he finally shifted because of jealousy. <laughs> See, my beautiful wife bought one of those amazing contraptions from Kmart that allow you to pack it up with things. And what, what do they call it? Like a... Beach trolley, that's right. But the cool thing about the beach trolley is that the two little kids could sit in it while we dragged them along the road. And <laughs> it's like that, parents. Come on, you know. <laughs> and so we had somewhere to put them so we could safely walk. And my son, Liam, eight years old, saw that and said, why can't I fit in there? You can't, you're too big. You're going to have to learn to ride your bike if you want to keep up. <laughs> now, I need to confess those weren't my words. They're my beautiful wife's words. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> let the podcast know. All the mums clapped. He said he can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. It flipped. You can do it. He taught himself how to ride the bike in the next half hour. On cement. <laughs> like a young man. And I was so proud I didn't have to do a thing. Your words matter. You can shape your world by what you say. I want to challenge you. If you want to live a life fueled for destiny, you have to live a life of surrender. 
You have to choose to imagine your win. You have to shape your world with what comes out of what God is showing you. And finally, if I can encourage you, you have to be willing to seek support and allow others to fuel your own destiny as well. Last scripture. See, along the journey, John the Baptist had gotten discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned. I think that's a very real thing that every single one of us can face along the way. Discouragement, despondency, disillusionment. We live in a fallen world. And John the Baptist's ministry that has started so high that he would increase, that I would decrease. The answer to prayer, somebody who shaped himself in the understanding he was the voice to prepare the way for Jesus. Somewhere, somehow along the line, started to doubt, is Jesus really who I thought he was? It says in the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 18, the disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? You know, I know I'm running low in fuel for my destiny when the self-doubt creeps in so much that I'm almost immobilised. I might show up in situations and circumstances. I might be there in body, but I'm not there in spirit. It's almost like my spirit's been locked away. I think John recognised he was in a moment like that. But instead of sitting still with it, which is so easily the tendency to do, I don't know about you, but it is with me, to sit still with it and allow it to fester and build up, he reaches out and asks a simple question. Are you the one that I'm a voice in the wilderness for? You know what Jesus said? So guys, look, the sick are being healed. People's lives are being transformed. I'm the one. And John was able to take that. So I don't know where you are in your own pursuit of your destiny. I wanna be as clear as possible. You have a pursuit of destiny on your life. There is something on your life that is so unique that only you can fulfil. And the world is going to be robbed if you don't fulfil that calling because you have a divine destiny in the Kingdom of God. And if along the way you feel that isolation and a sense to withdraw has set in, you have to recognise, you have to combat that by fueling up, by seeking support and asking even at times what others pour their fuel into your life. So I wanna say to you today that there is no app created yet and there never will be that will ever compare with the saints of God coming together to worship together in one space at one time. That there is no app created or ever will that will match the transformation that takes place when you commit to a connect group and allow yourself to be known and get to know others, that we are designed to do life together in community, cheering one another on in our divine destiny because as every one of us follows it, we all win together. You are called, you are set apart. So live a life of surrender. Imagine the win. 
Be willing to shape your world by what comes out of here in the heart of God. And above all, seek the support to fuel the fire. Be fueled for your destiny. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.